Thank you for joining me on the Five Questions podcast. I'm Gabrielle Kaplan-Mayer, and I'm so glad you're here to check out the Five Questions. My goal for this podcast is to create space for reflection and for noticing. The people I talk to are not necessarily religious or spiritual leaders, just us human beings trying our best to appreciate, to reflect, to find strength when we have challenges. I'm grateful that on this podcast, I speak with Deborah, a friend whom I haven't seen for over 20 years, who shares deeply and personally about her vulnerability and healing. Take a listen. Welcome to today's Five Questions podcast. I'm so excited to be here with Deborah. Deborah, where are you calling from today? I am in Studio City, California, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles. What's the weather like there today? It's really hot. We've been going through a heat wave. Oh, my goodness. I expected you to say beautiful and perfect, so a little bit on the hot (laughs) side today. Yeah, I mean, I I think depending on where you live, it is beautiful. It's just a little, it's going to be a little warm to be out and about. It will probably be up in 97. Oh my goodness. I I gotcha. All right, Deborah. Well, thank you for taking some time to be here on the podcast. I'm going to start with a really deep and probing question, which is what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? Vanilla, full stop. Has it always been? Yes. Like, do you remember being a kid and and when you had a choice (laughs) going for the vanilla? Yeah, always. I think there was a period in my life where I flirted briefly with daiquiri ice at, you know, Baskin Robbins. But vanilla has always been like my home base, my go-to. You can do anything with it. It's my very favorite. Well, that is awesome. It's a classic. And uh, (laughs) I'll think of you when I think of vanilla, Deborah. (laughs) Thank you. So what are you feeling thankful for today? Well, we, I recently came back from a trip that felt uh, pretty epic in the grand scheme of things. My ex-husband and I took our only child to college up in Oregon, and that's already a big deal for any parent who's been there. You know, that's just uh, incredibly life-changing and gratifying and scary and all kinds of things. But we were doing it on the heels of our child going through her first 15 months of treatment for leukemia, um, which was something that waylaid her going to college last year. And so she basically took a gap year to do some really heavy lifting with regard to her health. And the fact that we were able to actually get her school and that she was just, she was so strong and so determined and so fearless. And it felt like whole, the whole operation felt like a moon landing and we did it together. And I just can't believe it happened. Deborah, that's incredibly epic. I can't even imagine the kind of gratitude that's coming up for you around that trip. Yeah. It makes me cry every time I think about it. Well, I'm so happy for you and for your family. Thank you. I'm I'm wondering, 
my next question, if it's going to be related to that trip, <laughs> which is what's something beautiful you've seen in the last week? Yeah, it is related. We, this college that she goes to is um, really incredible around like preparing and supporting the students on not just their academic journey, but their emotional journey. And so they give them this week long um, orientation and the parents themselves get a two day orientation that, that coincides with the first two days of their students um, learning and we're, it's mostly separate. So the kids are off doing their thing and the parents are off doing their thing as it should be because this is part of this milestone is separation, right? So yeah. there was a moment, <laughs> I'm totally gonna cry when I tell you, there was a moment when her dad and I met up for the start of our day and on this big green space, College is beautiful. It's green and lush. And on this big green space, the different um, student orientation groups were meeting and we were walking through these students and like on the slide trying to see if we could spy Emerson without her seeing us because we didn't want her to feel like she was being watched or, and we did, we caught, we caught a glimpse of her sort of eloping in the way that she does across this big lawn to meet her her group. And when they when she got there, there were all smiles from her friends and from her. And I just it felt like um I don't know, it felt like watching her new life begin. My gosh, that is <laughs> So you just painted, you just took us there with you, Deborah, and painted that scene. And I can imagine that any parent who's listening, who's going through that separation around college will relate. But this deeper dimension that you went through as a family of dealing with sickness and healing has to make that just resonate on, on such an incredible level for you all. Yeah, it really does. You know, um, for anybody who's on Facebook, they might be familiar with the the way Facebook will throw a memory up at you every mm -hmm. every day. And the day that we that that happened to us, the the fa the Facebook memory that it popped up was Emerson and her girlfriend cooking dinner together a year ago, and Emerson had no hair. Mm -hmm. And she had her pick line was coming out of her arm. That was the way that yeah. we administered her drugs. And she was happy because her girlfriend was here and they were making dinner. She was, Emerson's a very effervescent personality always, but she was thin and she just, you could tell she was quite ill. And to go from that to seeing <laughs> our baby with all, she's got a full hair, a head of hair that's now curly loping across that lawn. I just, it was like, what can happen in a year? What can happen in a year? It's amazing, you know? Oh, Deborah, I, I feel like this. these questions are all going <laughs> to flow together for you. But my next question is, what makes you feel grounded? And you just have described to us and shared so beautifully images of your year that you just went through. and 
the struggles and the pain and, um, you know, going, going to this healing place. And so what, what helped you stay grounded through throughout this year? Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Um, my meditation practice, mm -hmm. I have to say it was my meditation practice, which is imperfect. Um, but I have one and I started it eight years ago and I was a person who never believed I could meditate because I had misconceptions about what meditation required of a person. I thought, well, I could never stop my thoughts, which of course now I know is the actual opposite of what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I had this, then I could never sit still, read it or whatever. I had all these, um, limiting beliefs that I finally chucked out the window because something was pulling at my heart to try this thing that so many of my friends had gotten such relief from. And so eight years ago, I, I learned to meditate. The tradition that I meditate within is called the Vedic tradition. Mm -hmm. um, it's twice a day for 20 minutes at a time. And um, anybody familiar with TM, it's, you know, basically this, it's quite similar. Um, and that laid a framework for my life and for handling, I think, crises in a way that um, I have to say, we've gotten through this cancer crisis, such as it is with, and I, and I say this with deep humility, with such grace. And that grace, I think, has been bestowed upon us because all three of us meditate, her dad, Emerson, and I. Um, and uh, like I said, it's imperfect. I, I, I miss a meditation here and there, or I'll, you know, I'll judge my meditation and be like, that wasn't a good one. I didn't feel enlightened, whatever. But it laid this groundwork for gratitude. And so, and for seeing like, for just knowing that things are going to be okay. It's going to shake out in a way that is ultimately for everyone's higher good. I just truly believe that in my soul now. And so I had built that framework. And then when Emerson got sick, I, I doubled down on my, on my efforts. And I don't mean that I was then meditating four times a day. I simply was as consistent as I could possibly be because I knew that my mental health and that my ability to be there for my child depended on it. For me, that was the thing. And that's still the thing. Every day I, I meditate and I visualize and I, um, you know, I take in, I ingest things that make me feel good about the world. And I do my best to tune out the things that don't. Um, and I just am very protective about the energy that I let into my, you know, my field. Yeah. That is such a beautiful description of your journey, um, I love that you said, I let go of my limiting beliefs because I think so many of us hold them and this idea of perfectionism that can get us in so many different realms of life. But even that thinking that we have to be perfect meditators <laughs> could stop us from beginning. I um, know. It's, it's, it's also so moving that it's something that you've, you've done the three of you together and how powerful that is. 
Yeah, I, I, what happened, I started meditating shortly after my separation from my now ex-husband and he saw the change in me and he started, he went through the same process of learning. It was quite simple. And then, and we introduced it to Emerson as well. And there's a different modality for children. They don't, they don't meditate 20 minutes. They meditate one minute per age of, of, of life. So mm -hmm. M was 11 when she learned. So I did like I, she was learning to meditate for 11 minutes at a time. And she's certainly not, we're way more into it than she is, but she mm -hmm. has it as a tool. She knows she can go to it when she needs to. Yeah. And that's such a, that just sounds like such a healthy way to introduce a practice to kids. It's there yeah. when you need it. You know, I love that sounds so developmentally appropriate and that, kids could grow with it. That's right on. Yeah. Any kind of mindfulness um, exercise that people can implement. Some, I think that is, I find it to be so helpful for everyone I know who does it. And, 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 and children are very good at it. They, when you, yeah. when you turn them onto it, they're very good at it. I think so much happens in our, in the course of our lives. If, if we don't have a mindfulness practice, that cuts us off from that part of ourselves and kids, you know, hopefully are, are more connected to th their nature and their intuition. Yes, I think they are. Deborah, I'm wondering if given that, given your year, given all you've shared with us, um, a moment when despite, you know, your efforts that you just felt lost, which every one of us does on any given day. I'm wondering where you turn when you've had those moments of feeling lost. Um, quite often I turn to Emerson's grandmother and I refer to her that way because she's my biological mom but she wasn't in my life until eight years ago. So she's um, probably, she's one of my closest friends now, but you know, I have a mother who I grew up with, who I consider my mother. Um, so M's grandmother, maternal grandmother who gave birth to me, <laughs> she's a very wise woman who um, I brought back into my life uh, very intentionally eight years ago. And it turned out to be a terrific decision for, for both of us. Um, and she has turned out to be a real guide for me. She's, um, you know, a very woke woman. <laughs> she's a, she is, um, a, she's a family counselor. Uh, we think very similarly. And so, so actually recently I had one of those crises. It was during this college transition. Um, during one of the days, Emerson had a really hard time. She, uh, her, her roommate is a little, um, and a lovely woman, a lovely young woman who I just think was having her own set of circumstances and they weren't quite clicking. Um, you know, there's a lot going on for those kids at that time. And I, I think she just needs some time to warm up to Emerson, but Emerson was feeling really self-conscious and like this girl didn't like her and she was feeling bad and what could she do to fix it? And there were tears and she was like, I don't know if I have the right roommate. And it's hard to see that might sound so surfacey right now, but in the moment, 
Emerson was really struggling and it, it was, a, you could see that she was also struggling with her own like sense of who she is in the world. Um, my daughter is a transgender young woman. And so, you know, I think maybe even more than ki other kids her age, she's 19. She has, she struggles with her identity quite often and she's working through it. She's very brave about it. Anyway, she, there were tears. I was worried and I called Emerson's grandmother to just talk me off the ledge because I was so like, oh my God, my baby's gonna like, she's, she's gonna suffer, but they have to suffer, right? They need to suffer. It's okay if they suffer. And I just needed somebody to remind me that this was just another blip on the radar screen and everything mm. was gonna be okay. Yeah. And it is, it is okay. Yeah. She's having a great time. Yeah. And, and Deborah, but I, I just want to just note just know that in the way that you shared another gift with us, with that story, that you, you know, clearly came to so many um, levels of forgiveness and understanding to bring someone back into your life from that kind of deep connection. And how amazing that Em's grandmother is now a person for you where mm -hmm. you are in your life right now. That's mm -hmm. incredible, incredible layers of significance and love and compassion. So um, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you're welcome. And it was another place where I feel like for a long time, a limiting belief had held me back from mm. pursuing that, rel that relationship. I made assumptions or I was afraid and it ended up, you know, we, it took some time. It took us some sure. time, but but boy, what we have built is one of the greatest gifts of my entire life. And so the risks were worth it. Oh my gosh, Deborah, this is just, this whole chat has been so inspiring. I'm like <laughs> bracing myself for this last question for oh, you, no. okay? okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, you've shared so beautifully about your journey and, and your, your world, your corner of the world. And so I'm just going to ask us to look at the broad perspective and invite you to share what's a hope that, that you hold for the world. Mm. I, I get really triggered when I hear people say they, like they saw some act of kindness or goodness or heroism or something. And they, they go, Oh, my, my, belief in mankind is restored or humankind is restored. And I get so triggered by that because I'm like, no, you, but those things are all around us. No need to restore. It's always here. Like, please don't lose faith. Please don't lose faith. Please. That's the way I'm, like my mantra to people. And yeah. when I, when we are again on this college campus and you see these young people and you understand like how open hearted they are and how, much they care about other people and about our planet and about the systems that serve or don't serve humans in the way that they ought to and fixing those systems. Like I have so much hope for our future because I have a 19 year old and she's a beautiful being who just wants everyone to be okay. And her her generation, at least the people that she has surrounded herself by, and this is like, I saw this in her high school, I saw this in her middle school, they 
don't care who you love. They don't care what you call yourself. They don't care what your pronoun is. They will respect it, but they are not judgy about it. They don't, like, they just don't care. They want everybody to do their thing. And I think that that is, I think it's a little quiet revolution that's happening. And the yep. young people are are heading it up. And we're just, I'm just trying to keep up with them. And I'm yes. so grateful that they're here on the planet because my, I trust that things are going to be okay because of them, which is not to put it all on their shoulders. Yes. I do, I do believe that they are our hope, our hope, those kids. Well, Deborah, that's, I, you, you gave us another gift. You gave us five gifts with all of the questions I asked you. <laughs> and, uh, you know, from vanilla ice cream to the future with this generation of kids that your magnificent daughter is part of. Um, you've just given us so much to take Thank in. You. And for sure, it was so good to talk to you today. Um, just sending you and your family every blessing. Thank you so much, Gabby. I'm so honored that you even thought to ask me to do this. And I have to tell you, being able to elucidate these things for myself today was yeah. a gift in oh. in this direction. So I really appreciate it. I'm so glad. Oh, you're so talk. welcome. Just... That's the hope of the questions that we inspire people to reflect and to share. So thank you so much, Deborah. Thank you, honey. I love you so much. Love you too. We'll be in touch. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Five Questions. I'd love to hear about the beauty, gratitude, and joy you're noticing in your day. Please be in touch. I'm at Gab Kaplan Mayer on Twitter, and you can visit me at GabrielleKaplanMayer.com for more info on my books and speaking. And if you'd like to be a Five Questions guest, you'll find a short form there to complete. Be well. Peace.